And so this week I was thinking about rain. Several of us probably were thinking about the need for rain, but I was thinking about rain and and I was even thinking about my life. I was talking to my brother-in-law Wednesday or Thursday and he made a comment that it resonates with when I moved here. When I was a youth pastor, I used to have a rule. I wouldn't pray for the weather. Because kids would have events and they would always ask me to pray that it wouldn't rain. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to pray for that. But I didn't want to pray for it because I just thought it was weird. It wasn't like I realized rain. <laughs> you know, when I was in Kentucky, rain was something that I loathed. <laughs> it wasn't something that I longed for. I was talking to my brother-in-law this week, and he literally said this week, Man, I wish I lived in a place where it didn't rain so much. And I thought, man, (laughs) it's amazing the difference in perspective. Thirteen years ago, when raindrops fell on my windows, I got mad. Today, if a kid spits on a rain on a window, I think it's raining and I get excited. It's amazing what can happen in what rain is. And so I started thinking about rain and the reality is that scripture it talks about rain several times. There's something that God uses the rain for that I truly believe that we in Nebraska, we in western Nebraska especially, can understand or comprehend much better than a kid who lives in Alexandria, Kentucky. I used to read about the rain and I I didn't understand how it was synonymous with blessings. Like, why do you got to pick rain? I mean, it comes all the time. It ruins my plans. But then... I remember one time we were driving our car. My kids are Western Nebraska natives. They aren't from Kentucky. And there was one time we were driving our car and it started raining and my kids asked, what is that? (laughs) Wow. The difference in, in perspective. And I look at rain in Scripture, and that's what I spent some time doing. And, and there's, there's physical rain Scripture talks about. You know, the story of Elijah, where he prayed it wouldn't rain, it didn't rain. Then he prayed for it to rain, and it rained. There's, there's stories where there's prophecies about, about spiritual rain in Scripture. It's like in the book of Joel, in the book of Isaiah. You see these promises that come from God when it comes to this thing, this stuff we call rain. Today I want to look at one verse. We'll look at a lot more than one verse if you know, Pastor. But I'm going to start with one verse. It'll lead to a lot. In the book of Hosea, where it's a prophecy about rain. Hosea, we talked about it before, but just a quick synopsis. It's a really interesting book in Scripture. Hosea was called the mission, the, the plan God had for his life wasn't a major, double major in ag and, and livestock management, but the plan, the call that God had on his life was to be a prophet. 
He was a prophet to a people in a broken time. He was a prophet mostly to the northern kingdom of Israel. Like he was part of the church split. He got to speak the part of the church split. That was the job that, that he had. Hosea 1 starts with a great promise. The word that comes to Hosea, his name literally means salvation. God tells him to do something. God says, get married. And we all say, yes. Sounds good. And then God says, get married to who? Get married to, to Gomer. Now, Gomer is a bad name. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, hey, here's my wife. Her name's Gomer. I mean, I don't know. Like, not only was it a bad name, but Gomer had a bad name. Gomer's name, which she was known for, was being a promiscuous woman, a woman of harlotry. A woman of infidelity, Scripture describes her. So we got Hosea, whose name literally means salvation. The man of God, the one whom God is speaking through. And God tells him, in obedience, he's supposed to marry the prostitute, the adulterous woman. It's one of those books that are interesting. So he marries Gomer. He's obedient to God. Their life, their story becomes a living, illustrated sermon to Israel. God is using the prophet, he's using Gomer to be representative so that maybe their eyes can see what they're doing to God. So in the midst of that, they have kids. Their kids' names. Now, we've talked about how names in the Bible typically mean something. Their kids' names meant something to Israel. The first son was born. His name signified offense. Man, that's a name I want. Their second son is born. You know what his name is? Now, who else, when they get their baby, they say, oh, I'm going to call you not loved. (laughs) They have a third son. (laughs) Guys, if this ever happened, (laughs) the baby comes out and they name him divorce. God is speaking through the prophet to Israel. He's wanting them to know, and literally what happens in in Hosea uh, chapter 2 is we see the the description of the separation of the people of God from the one who they made a covenant with. Hosea made a covenant with Gomer. There was separation that came in the midst of that covenant. That's what what Hosea chapter 2 does. Literally it's happening in Gomer and Hosea's life as well. Because what we see in chapter 3 is that Gomer, her namesake, she's living with another man in an adulterous relationship. So you know what God asked the prophet to do now? Not only has he asked him to marry a woman with a bad name, not only has he had him name kids these terrible names... He says to him in, in Hosea chapter 3, now I want you to go find your wife. Did she left me. Not only do I want you to go find the woman of harlotry, but I want you to pay for her. Salvation pays for the redemption of the unfaithful one. God is using this story to speak to the people of Israel. And really, if you look at, at Hosea, if you look at Israel, they don't listen very well. Hosea continues to be these, these, these words that come from the prophet to the people of Israel that are really struggling with their faithfulness. They're struggling with idolatry. They're struggling with, with seeking other gods, but the true God. 
Hosea chapter 10. It's not really the greatest chapter. I mean, it starts with a pretty strong rebuke. It talks about the condition of the people. But in the midst of the rebuke, salvation springs up. I want to read one verse in in Hosea chapter 10. You can read the rest on your own this week. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. In the midst of their infidelity, in the midst of their unfaithfulness, in the midst of the prophet rebuking them for the lives in which they're living, God still speaks promise. And his promise that he speaks to his people is described by the promise of rain. He looks at a people who are broken and he gives them what I see in one verse, a formula to prepare to get ready for the rain that is coming. What I see in this one verse is the prophet speaking to the people of God. Do these things because God desires to shower rain on you. Right? So what does he say? He says there's... There's rain that is coming. So the first thing you need to do is to sow righteousness. And sometimes we can get lost in what does that mean? What is God saying by sow righteousness? And sometimes for us, we start thinking of acts of righteousness, the things that we do right, the good things that we can do. I do good things to all people. We'll read a verse that talks about that. But the reality of righteousness that God is talking about, when God speaks righteousness, he's not talking about our righteousness, but he's talking about his righteousness that is in us. And there's only one way to be in right standing, which is literally what righteousness means with God. That's called repentance. It's acknowledging that I'm outside of the position that I need to be, that my living position isn't in the right position that God designed. And so for me to sow righteousness, I need to repent or change and allow myself to be in the position which God designed me to be in. Does that make sense? When we sow righteousness, what I believe that the prophet is saying to the people is, hey, God had a design, Israel. You were his Chosen people. (laughs) He's done some pretty incredible things along the journey. His desire is fellowship with you. His desire is relationship with you. But you've sowed the flesh. You've sowed what you wanted. You've turned yourselves to other gods. What I need you to do is take a step of faith and put yourself in the right position, which is the covenant which God has for you. He's given us a covenant as well. He's placed a covenant in our lives that he desires for us to live in. So we should sow righteousness. Galatians 6. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, sometimes I have to sow my righteousness. And I have to remind myself of the seed that God has done for me, that I am forgiven, that I am a child of God, that God does love me, that he does have a plan for me, that there is a purpose, that his covenants are true in my life. 
I have to show the right standing, even though my flesh, what is me? Huh? We've been there? We've done that? A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? We sow righteousness. We reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, the prophet even talked about this. He said, sow righteousness. And what was the reaping in Hosea that he talked about? He said, if you sow righteousness, you'll reap unfailing love. Do you see that? I mean, for us today, we've heard it in churches. (laughs) I repent, and then I receive unfailing love. The forgiveness that is mine in Jesus Christ. The scripture that we read in Galatians, it says if you sow what is right, you reap eternal life. The prophet's saying that there is rain that, that God desires. He desires to shower blessings upon you. The first thing we do is we sow righteousness. We accept our position in his covenant. And when we accept our position in his covenant, we reap his unfailing love. How did we receive that? This was before Jesus. Look how prophetic this is. That when I sow righteousness, when I repent, and when I change, I receive what God has done for me. We know these verses. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send his son into this world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. We reap the fruit of unfailing love. He just demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe there's blessing. There's rain. <laughs> now, now, guys, we can receive this in faith. There's rain coming. There's showers of blessings. I've got to put myself in the right position. I do that by repentance, by acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, by acknowledging my sin. Acknowledging that my sin has separated me from the right standing in which God designed me to live. The only thing I can do for that sin is to ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness that was revealed through Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. So I sow righteousness. I make a confession. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Suddenly I'm reaping the fruit of unfeeling love in my life. Sounds good. But what I find interesting is there's more. What? I thought when I said that prayer, we were done. I thought when I said that prayer, we were there. Like, I, I, I prayed, I asked God to forgive me, and, 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 and I received his unfailing love. What more can there be? Well, all I know from Hosea is they received the unfailing love of God, but there's still showers of blessing to come. Do you see that? If I have to go back, I can go back. We'll go back a while. Sow righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground for the time to, it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. I don't know how I can't look at that and not see that there's something more. There's something deeper. There's something more than just this right relationship with God. He desires for you and I. Why do I think he says now, break up your unplowed ground? 
Because I think we all can recognize there's hard spots in us. You know, salvation is what we talked about when we sow righteousness. Sanctification is what follows. These are big church words. You know, some of us, we have these spots in us. And what happens with unplowed ground? It just doesn't receive the rain and it can't produce the fruit. That God's got blessings that he desires to shower upon us, but we're not honest about that hard spot in our heart. We're not honest about that hard spot in our head. We're not honest about that hard spot in our mouth or in our eyes. Paul talks about it, right? Sometimes I do what I want to do and I don't do what I don't want to do. And in all those, or I do what I don't want to do and I want to do, and I, either way, you know what I'm trying to say. I said it backwards. I said it the way we would think it should sound. It was supposed to sound the other way. Paul says, I don't do what I want to do sometimes. And I do do, not do do, but I do do what I don't want to do at times. You try and say that in front of a room full of people. You know, let's be honest. Unplowed ground. Are there parts in us that we know? Parts in us that we see that they need to be broken up. Parts in us that we recognize, you know, it's that peace that comes out every time. It's that one that tends to come out from somewhere where we don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden that's what's coming from us. It's that thought that always drives us to not receive the promises that God has for us. It's the lie that someone spoke over ourselves that became a very part of us. It's the hurt or the scar or the wound that's inside of us that we've never really allowed the power and the presence of God to come in upon. You see, he said, sow righteousness, reap unfailing ground. You know, you're in a right relationship, but now look at yourself. There's still more work to be done. I've got more blessings than just just the unfailing love, which seems like an unquantifiable blessing for you to receive. There's rain coming. But before the rain comes, break up that ground. You know, in his parable, he talks about some unfollowed ground. Matthew 13 says there was some seed that fell. It's an unplowed ground. There was fruit that was supposed to come. There was, there was product that was supposed to come through this ground. But the thorns, the weeds, the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke the word, making it unfruitful. What are those spots in you that are choking the word of God and making it unfruitful in your life. It might be the anxieties of this world or the pursuit of wealth that choke out his word. You know better than I know. His spirit will reveal to you if you're not quite sure. Is there a place in me? We've got to break up the unplowed ground, because seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those are the hard spots. 
The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Do you know your flesh spots? Because there's rain coming. And when that rain comes, I want my ground to be completely ready to receive every blessing that he has. So I can see a crop, so I can see a fruit that is 160 or 30 times what I currently know. Sow righteousness, reap unfailing love, plow or break up the unplowed ground. And then what does he say? Seek the Lord. This is God's recipe. I mean, Hosea, one verse in Hosea, he's given us this whole formula for what we should be doing in the midst of the brokenness to the people of Israel. He's given us all these plans. These are great nuggets. I mean, he was a great homiletic preacher right here giving us a sermon in one verse. You've sowed righteousness. You've reaped his unfeeling love. You've broken that fallow ground in your heart. Those places of flesh in you. Now seek the Lord. We've been reading in in the book of Acts and in men's Bible study, we read a verse or a couple verses this week in Acts chapter 17 said God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he's not far away from any one of us, For in Him we live, we move, and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. It says we would seek Him, reach out for Him, and find Him. Why are we seeking Him? What did Paul say? Or what did Luke say, I guess? Whichever one, this is probably Peter actually preaching. I'm not sure now because I don't have Acts open in front of me. Probably Peter. In Him we... Probably Paul now. Never mind. I've got to correct that. It's Paul. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that he is the source of everything? Do we really believe that if I need life, I need to seek him? Do we really need to, if we have to find ourselves, that we should seek him? Do we really believe that, that if, we, if we need to move, if we need direction, that we should seek him? My wife got a gold star in Sunday school because she shared this verse in Sunday school this morning. It says, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart. You see, you've broken up those hard spots and you've sought me with all that is. I want the blessings that God has. He's promised rain. He's promised us rain. Acts 14. He says, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. In Isaiah chapter 44, he says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. In Isaiah 45, 8, he says, your heavens, you heavens above 
Rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. God has promised us rain. There's rain coming. Can you get me a a rag or a beach towel or something? It's summer. This is where the, the rain gauge comes in. Why do we put out a rain gauge? You want, you want me to tell you? Let me tell you something. No greater faith as a rancher than to put out a rain gauge in western Nebraska in the month of July or August. That's in there somewhere. I'm telling you, I've been here enough summers to say I've seen enough rain gauges that were filled with spiders and dust. You guys have an incredible faith. Don't we put out rain because we expect it, our rain gauge, because we expect it to rain? Isn't that really what a rain gauge says? Is that I'm expecting there to be these white or water drops that fall from the heavens and they come and saturate this land? And, and so I put this little piece of plastic or this piece of glass outside so, I, so, so the rain can be caught in it? Ready for the step? Why do we put more rain, put more faith, sorry, that rain in Nebraska in the month of July than we do in the one who created all. Why do we put more faith or more expectation that it's going to rain in this world where, where it hasn't shown itself to be that, that consistent? We put more faith that there'll be rain that comes tomorrow than we put in the faith that God's going to shower His blessings upon us. We put more expectation in rain that may or may not be here than we do in the One who is, who was, and always will be. Why? When you put out your rain gauge this year, Maybe you already did when you put out your new one. I want you to think about, do I have any expectation of the showers of blessing that God wants for me? Do I have more expectation in the brokenness of this world than the one who made it? You know, Elijah, I talked about him, that story. I got the verse in here. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Remember when he prayed for it to rain? What did he do? He had some expectation. He put a rain gauge out, didn't he? What do you mean, Pastor? He didn't have a rain gauge. Rain didn't invent that until 19... I don't know know when we were invented rain gauges. He sent out his servant. He said, I need you to go look. (laughs) Because I expect there's going to be rain. See, he had an expectation that the promise that God made would be fulfilled. And so he sent his servant. You know how many times he sent him? Seven times! Comes back, goes on whatever journey it was, climbs a mountain, looks and doesn't see anything, comes back, nothing. Elijah looks at him. Hey, I need you to go look. 
He goes back. He puts out his rain gauge again because he's got an expectation that God's going to fulfill his promise. He sends out the rain gauge. He comes back. There's no rain. The last time he sends out his rain gauge, and you know what he sees? He says he sees a cloud, or a cloud the size of a fist in the sky. He comes back, and Elijah's like, we better get to town because things are going to get messy real fast. Supernaturally, he tucks his, his robe. I don't know what this looks like. And he takes off like Forrest Gump. I was running. I mean, there's another Forrest Gump analogy for you, uh, the gospel according to Forrest Gump. He takes off for town because he doesn't want to get stuck on the mountain when it rains. He wants to warn him that the rain's coming. You see, there's something in us. There's something that we should have. We should have an expectation for the showers of blessing to come. Right? What does a rain gauge do? This isn't a trick question. If it rains, I should say, what does a rain gauge do? It quantifies the blessing. Huh? You see, because there was preparation, there was expectation. And you know what I've learned? I had to get a rain gauge when I moved to western Nebraska. Because if there's a couple sprinkles, you know what the question is? How much rain did you get? Now, if you want to feel bad about yourself, ask Mary Thompson. Because she's got a special rain gauge or she's got a special place in the Lord. She gets a double portion every time it rains this year. I'll say, Mary, I got an inch and a half. So I got three. But isn't that typically what happens once we quantify what we received? What's the first thing we do? We tell someone about it. We tell someone about what we receive. We let our, the, the quantifying amount, whether it's a tenth, three-tenths, or four inches, come from our mouths in the conversations we have. Again, why do we celebrate the blessings of a, uh, of a third of an inch of rain more than quantifying the blessings that God is pouring out on our lives? You guys can come forward. I believe there's rain coming. I believe that God wants to shower blessings. I believe that God knows you. And He desires not just Paul or not just Hosea, but He desires you to produce a fruit uh, of incredible harvest. He desires, he plans to, he has written in his book, the plan is to shower blessings on you. Are you ready? Have you sowed righteousness? Have you acknowledged that place in you that maybe once you were living for yourself, but now you want to live for him? Have you reaped the benefit or the blessing of his unfailing love? If you've done that, then maybe, just maybe this morning, you need to think about those hard spots in you. And maybe you need the Spirit of God to begin to illuminate those places where you're not ready to receive what he's pouring out. Those places that consistently reach up and choke out what God's trying to do in you. Maybe today is a day you say, I need to seek Him. You know, my kids, they're not very good seekers. Right? Wives, you would say, men, we're not very good seekers. 
Dear, I can't find the ketchup. It's right there behind the mustard. I opened the refrigerator. It didn't jump into my hands. Sometimes that's the way we're seeking the Lord. You know when my wife loses something? She's a seeker. She can't handle the thought of something being lost. And all she can focus upon is finding. It doesn't matter if she just rearranged the furniture. We're going to move it again. It doesn't matter if we took the trash out and it's in the bottom of the dumpster. We're going to look in there. Because I lost something and I want to find it. And she's not content. You want to talk about a trouble for my wife? You want to play a trick on her, Ryan? Next year when she's at school, Jason, you sneak into her room and you take something. And you watch that camera. And you watch her go crazy because she won't be content until she finds it. What if we sought the Lord like that? He's worth finding. What he has for you is worth seeking. And maybe we just expect. Put that gauge out. I expect rain. It's an act of faith. It's an act of, uh, of confidence. It's an act of, of this is going to be filled. So I have something to share. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you'll be my witnesses. What are we witnesses of? What God has done for us. You'll be my witnesses, he said. He has a story that you're supposed to tell. Maybe you just need to quantify the blessings a little bit so you can tell your story. Father, this morning, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this room. And I thank you, God, that you've been speaking to us in this room. Salvation is calling to us. The words of salvation are speaking to us. And from Hosea's word, if anyone in this room doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if you've not received the promise of a right relationship with Him, today sow righteousness and reap the reward of unfailing love. In this room, God, if there's some that they recognize there's some, some hard spots, some unplowed ground that you see as fertile. Some of those hard spots in us that they just consistently steal what you're trying to produce. God, I pray that we could break them up. I pray that we could acknowledge them. It's going to take work. We might sweat as much as Pastor does. But God, we need to do it. Fruit depends on it. 
to be ready for the rain. And whatever that expectation is that we can put out, as simple as a rain gauge, because we know, God, the rain is coming. (laughs) And God, we want to know what story we have to share. We want to know what we can say so that we can tell others about what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I ask we would respond to you today. As you've spoken to our hearts, let us respond accordingly. If you want us to go forward for prayer, let us respond to that. If you want us to pray where we are, let us respond to that. If you need us to repent, if you need us to change, let us respond to that. If you need us to break up the fallow ground or set out the expectation or maybe declare, God, what you've done, let us respond to what you're speaking to us. Jesus' name. I'm going to open the altars as they lead us in this song. If you want to pray in response to this, I'll be here to pray with you. Um, But I believe there's blessings. There's rain. And I want us all to be ready to receive. There's blessing coming, amen? Showers on the horizon. Go look for the clouds. Expect it. Get ready. It's coming. Measure it. Because you have a story to tell. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you, grant you His peace. And may you... Be ready for the blessings. May you get wet in His rain. Amen? I'll say be blessed.